Hello and welcome to Plot Trips. This is Lane. And this is Meg. And today we're going to be talking about The Governess Game by Tessa Dare. So this is the second book in the Girl Meets Duke series. The first we've already reviewed. Yeah, and that one was the, the Duchess Dare. Yes. And so then this is The Governess Game. This was published in 2018, so very recent. There's t- This is, I think, the last one out in the series. The two more have not been published yet. Yeah, the next one is coming out, I think, in the next couple of months. So okay. I'm sure we'll be reviewing it. I'm actually really looking forward to them. I'm enjoying this series. It's super cute, really fun. It's very enjoyable. And I think the female characters are... Like, spoiler alert for the one we're talking about today, she's a, like, science-brained woman who is not a botanist. <laughs> she, that's right. She's not a botanist. So, very exciting. Get prepared for it. Um, so, as usual, we're going to start with the official book jacket. I'm so excited for this. Okay, well, you can start because I know you want to. Okay. He's been a bad, bad rake, and it takes a governess to teach him a lesson. The accidental governess. After her livelihood slips through her fingers, Alexandra Mountbatten takes on an impossible post, transforming a pair of wild orphans into proper young ladies. However, the girls don't need discipline. They need a loving home. Try telling that to their guardian, Chase Raynaud, Duke's heir in the streets and the devil in the sheets. (laughs) The ladies of London have tried and failed to make him settle down. Somehow, Alexandra must reach his heart without risking her own. The infamous rake. Like any self-respecting libertine, Chase lives by one rule, no attachments. When a stubborn little governess tries <laughs> to reform him, he tries to he decides to give her an education in pleasure. Dun, dun, dun. That should prove he can't be tamed. But Alexandra is more than he bargained for. Clever, perceptive, passionate. She refuses to see him as a lost cause. Soon the walls around Chase's heart are crumbling and he's in danger of falling hard. <laughs> so I mean this yes. was a really fun book jacket accurate as well super accurate it's very accurate it's actually extremely accurate except for the well we'll get into that later the thing that I think is missing from this is how damn funny this one is is a really fun although the, you know this jacket is funny I'm sorry, but who says Duke's air in the streets and devil in the devil in the sheets? He's been a but I think it's more clever funny than hmm. like True, yeah. yeah. Alright, so what was your our random number of this episode is twenty-two. Meg, what was your twenty-two word description? Okay, here it is. A cute clock setter meets a professional rake and becomes a governess for his two wards. Amateur astronomy turns hot in Greenwich. Alright, that last one, line right? is really good. <laughs> Alright. Interviews in dens of iniquity make for an auspicious start. Orphans bond over doll funerals and mourning. These kids didn't annoy me. This also so these are also accurate, but you know this book jacket I think was really good. It was, and this book is really good. I think I'm I, I'm liking it even more in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, Alexandra was one of the friends of the woman from from the Duchess Dare. Yeah. What was her name? I don't remember. Sorry, guys. Um, but so she's part of that, like, weird group of eccentric friends. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the Duchess in the previous book made um, these friends. So 
One of the friend group is like a daughter of a duchess. She's lady something. And she invited the new duchess over. And so each friend is eccentric in her own way. So one of them really likes animals. One of them likes baking. Yes. And Alexandra, who this book is about, is a, is a clock setter. And astronomer. And astronomer. Amateur astronomer. But professional clock setter. Yes. So what does that mean? That means that like weekly she goes to Greenwich. She, so she goes to the observatory in Greenwich and sets her clock. Mm-hmm. And then she takes it to her clients' homes and resets their clock so that they are more or less on the same, on, on Greenwich Standard Time. And she only goes to her clients' homes a couple times a year. But she has enough clients that she's working pretty yeah. consistently up to a point, though she is very aware of how in danger she is of poverty. Yeah, so she is, she's not rich at all. She doesn't have a comfortable income. Mm-hmm. And she's really trying to save just to have enough money to buy a cottage and then be able to live on the interest of the principal. So she, so she's really trying to build up her principal too. Her goal is to be a spinster on dry land because she has a fear of water and boats. Yeah, so she has a traumatic backstory about that. Yeah, her father was a navy or merchant or he was somehow on he was boat. He's a captain. captain. She grew boat. up on the boat. And her her mother was an islander. Yes. Somewhere her father traveled. Yes, I believe it was the Philippines, but don't quote me. And then they shipwreck at one point. Her father dies and she's stranded she's in the stranded. open waters for like a week. Right, in, in a in a raft in the lifeboat and then she's I mean it's only through sheerest chance that she's Picked up and rescued. Picked up and rescued. Like, she thought she was going to die of thirst. Yes. So. And very nearly did. Yeah, and very nearly did. Yes. So, she um, is very independent and wants nothing to do with travel or leaving again. She wants her cottage. She doesn't want to rely on anyone. Yeah. And she wants to stay put. And I think she's she grew up with this sort of adventurous life, and she's like, I don't need that. I just want a safe life now. And then father her following her father's passing at sea, she was an orphan yeah. raised by... Pass around from family member to family member. Right. So, and that's relevant because he, Chase, is a earl who inherited only through the tragedy of many people. Like, he should have been nowhere in the line of succession. Yes. So he, he was the unexpected heir. Uh, you know, no one, he wasn't raised as the heir. He wasn't expected to become the heir. And yet he, he is. I will say, so we haven't talked about this book yet, but we're going to talk about it a little bit later. I just want to mention that there's some parallels between him and Cross, who is the hero of One Good Earl Deserves a Lover. Yes. By Sarah McLean. So I'm going to spoil something, but it's like hilarious. So he is a rake. He's well known for being a rake. He's like known throughout the town for being the go-to guy if you want if you want some beef you guys no you don't not for the beef that's the whole point that's the whole point so I, no okay sorry but he's well known for it but anyway when they get together they don't actually go all the way right so he like meets the women and but then so I guess unlike Cross in One Girl Earl Deserves a Lover who doesn't touch women anymore doesn't touch them at all right Chase does regularly bring women home. Yes. And they have come a, to his home. They have a real good time in his his den of iniquity. But this is also great because there are like 10 million names for it. And they're all hilarious. Yeah. Um, pleasure they have Palace. A, the Pleasure Palace. The 
the devil's den. Yes. You know, things like that. Um, so they have a great time, but, but he doesn't, he doesn't want To risk pregnancy. Yes. That's his whole thing. He does everything but. Yeah. Because he's taking no chances on that front, which is interesting because one of the things that this earldom came with was two young wards. Yes. So he's, he's a duke. Well, he will be a duke. Um, he's the heir. And there are these two young girls. And we don't actually know what the familial relationship is. The suspicion is. is that they may be his father's bastards. Maybe his father's bastards. Maybe his brother's bastards. Like, they don't know. Yeah. He doesn't know. He just knows that he has a, a family obligation to these two girls. They could be a cousin. Like, he inherited after a million other people died. Yeah. And so... These two girls might be related and to And all the them. men in his family have a terrible reputation for producing bastards, which is part of why he's so careful. Right. And so these two people meet because Alexandra comes to offer her services as a clock setter. And he mistakes her for someone who was sent by the agency who he contacted to get a governess. And he has gone through several because these little girls are amazing. <laughs> they're, they're terrible hellions. My favorite se- recurring gag through this whole thing is w- the younger one has a doll who she keeps killing in the most morbid ways. And, yeah. like, letting her slowly die and, like, give updates on her status throughout the day. She wakes everyone up at ungodly hours in the morning to be like, she has passed. That's Cecilia is the doll? Yes. Yeah, Cecilia. And so she'll come up and make everyone bury and mourn Cecilia, and they have to conduct full funerals and full wear funerals. mourning bands all day. And every single time this happens, I laughed out loud. It, like, was, it was really funny. He gives really great, like, eulogies yeah, for the doll does. every time. Oh, my God, it was so funny. He does. Um, and so... So as the book jacket indicates, the two young girls are there. They don't need like more discipline. Like they feel cut off from their whole family, and she feels like them. She she understands how they're feeling because she also was cut off from her family after her father died. Her mother died. Her father died, and then she was the unwanted ward. So I think she feels this kinship with them. Yes, and his plan is to get them civilized and then ship them off to boarding school. Right. Which they do not want to do. They do not want to go to boarding school, so they, they've been chasing off all the governesses. And I mean, this is a little bit of a trope. Like, we've definitely seen, I mean, who hasn't seen this, The Sound of Music? Right. Right? So, I mean, this is like uber archi- archetype here, but it was done very well. It was very cute. Yes, agreed. So I didn't, I didn't read it thinking, oh my god, this is The Sound of Music. You know, like, she does not sing to them. Um, they, they don't do anything like that. In fact, she teaches them by teaching them about piracy. Yes. Which is very cute. So, like, they are, they're like, okay, fine, I guess we'll learn how to be pirates. And so that's how she works in geography and math. Yeah. And it's, it's clever and fun and engaging. Yeah. So we talked about this, but she is a lady astronomer. So she is not a lady botanist definitely better than Lady Botanist. She doesn't quite rise to the standard of uh, Lady Computer, like in Hidden Figures. There were computers yet. We're in there a different were, time period. There were computers. Did, haven't you read um, uh, uh, Talk Sweetly to Me? Yeah, she is a computer. Yeah, she's a Lady Computer. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just saying she didn't quite get there. And also what was interesting too is that, yes, she's an astronomer, but she's also an astronomer because she wants to make money off of it. Right. So her goal is to find an unidentified astronomical object. And get someone to pay her to name it after them. Right. Her. And that's, 
that's their goal. That's her goal to finance her little private getaway. Yeah. So, but overall, any other major tropes you can think of? I mean, the shipwreck, the daughters who are orphans. I mean, I guess... The, and this is this is an issue I had with the previous book. The uh, Reluctant Duke. Yeah, the, well, the Reluctant Duke. But what I'm thinking more, this is more of a Tessa Dare thing. Yeah. Is that things are like rollicking, hilarious, farcical, and then they get to a point where suddenly everything is serious. And then... Yeah. And it's always at the end, you know, it's... Which, I mean, I, I, I understand because... Romance novels, you have, you, they, every can't, everything can't just be smooth sailing. You can't just fall in love, get married, the end. Like, there has to be something there. But the conflict that he's a confirmed celibate, reluctant yeah. duke, and she's a orphaned clock setter can't be enough of a conflict. Right, like, there has to be more, and it has to get really serious. And so, without too much spoilers, like, the, the main scary ending bits happen around the girls. Mm-hmm. So, like, the stakes are very high, because they both love these girls at yeah. this point. And so it, it is, it's such a light romp of a book. Yeah. And then, like, the children are in trouble. Yeah. And then it's also when it happens to me. Yeah. Um, because, because, big surprise, it happens after they finally consummate the relationship, and then they have a big fight. Yeah. Which, this, I, I, don't, I don't know if it rises to the level, I, I don't want to say it's a trope, so it's not a trope, but it's just so common in these books that... It just gets to me sometimes. You yeah. You just, like... Why does sex have to be... Turn into something angsty? Yes. And know? it, like, immediately. Immediately. So, I thought, other than the quick, cold shower of the fight... <laughs> and I think maybe that's the issue. I'm like, it is a cold shower. You, like, read this hot scene. It's great. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh. I thought it was pretty hot. I thought I it was pretty hot. There's the scene in the nursery... Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That sticks out in my mind as having been particularly good. The girls were not there. No. Don't oh, God. Worry. Oh, God, no. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah. So, but, but, yes, that was... Well, and I sort of... I, I liked the way jealousy was done in this one. Yeah. So before she knows that he doesn't go all the way with women, and he's largely celibate from the time he brings her to be he, the governess. He is, he is celibate from the time she moves in. I guess celibate's the wrong word. Like, he doesn't take paramours yes. from the time she moves in. So he goes out for his first night on the town intending to, and she sees him of from course. above, and she's interpreting the scene as this, like, seduction, and he's, like, trying to get this drunk woman off of him. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, she's way too drunk to do anything with. I don't even really want to. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's like, how can I get rid of her? Yes. And she's watching, thinking, oh, like, well, kind of, like, I wish I were her. But then she gets the girls to throw water on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, it, I mean, considering that they don't actually have sex, it is pretty sexy. Oh, there's a lot of good makeouts, though. Mm-hmm. And, like, talk about, to contrast, I think, the last book we reviewed, lots of descriptions of hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Several hands. <laughs> You, I mean, you know what they're doing at all times. It's not a, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's doing that. And you're like, what? What is he doing? Right, you know, no. You, you, you know what he's doing. And it seems good. Yeah. I mean, he is a devil in the sheets. It's, it was a, a very good book in that department, except I didn't love the final hookup. In yeah. the grass outside the astronomy tower. Okay, I'm going to be honest. The, the setting didn't bug me. Um, no, it was just the whole thing was, yeah, yeah. like, it felt like a ch- a- afterthought. 
And it was very um, historical romance, losing your virginity, in that it was somehow, like, super painful and, like, I don't... Oh, know, yeah. Yeah. So, that's kind of... I guess that's kind of a trope in historical novels, is that, like, they, they really do write in, like, losing your virginity as being, like, painful, you know? And I Which, just like, don't. clearly isn't hot. Yeah, it's, it's just not. It's just not hot, you know? But, um, other than that, yeah, I, I, like I, I liked I liked the pre-sex hookups a lot. There were several, and they were very well done. Yeah, they were good. And like, sex really is on every page, even when it's not happening. His reputation is so strong. His den of iniquity, where they have many an encounter, even when it's just a conversation in the beginning. Like, you know, they're talking, and there's, like, his ropes around. And, yeah. like, it's just, everything they do is very charged. And talk about a book where the main characters have chemistry. Yeah, yeah. The, you definitely feel it. You're um, waiting yeah, for yeah. them desperately. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you feel that they are, too. Yes. You know? Like, it's it's very well, it's very well done um, in that sense. Yeah, the, the, the build-up is really good. Really and good. then the culmination is really satisfying mm-hmm. and it's not doesn't feel implausible either yes which it definitely could agreed okay so offensive i mean we we have talked about this we haven't really talked about it in terms of being offensive but she is a governess he is her employer so there is that that the, that exists i will just throw that out there it doesn't feel offensive when you're reading it because she is not treated like a servant. So it's not treated like he orders her to come in and service him or anything like that. Right. Um, so I think the way it's handled is well done. But it is a fact. She works for him. She wants money from him. You know, like she is being paid by him. They're, they have a transactional relationship yes. outside of their romantic exactly. encounter. Which... There's a lot of things that mitigate that for me here. She's not a governess by trade. She yeah. doesn't want to be. It's only because she's basically extorting him <laughs> that she's even in the position. And it's not supposed to be long term. It's only supposed to be the girls going yeah. away to school. So, And I'm, I'm not saying that I was no, offended. No, I'm, I'm just, just saying. If somebody, because some people have a specific yeah. in, like trigger with these power dynamic relationships. I'm just saying there are some mitigating factors yes. to this one. But it is yeah. an employer-employee. So that was there. Um, she also, again, she is half native islander i believe filipina and half american so her father was an uh, american citizen an american captain um and this although it was touched on was not really brought up you know yeah i don't i did not find it offensive on the other hand i feel like maybe there should have been more about it you know the fact that i was able to forget she was Mm -hmm. biracial until meg reminded me Mm mm-hmm might be a problem for some people. Right. Uh, and, you know, she's not like, yeah, I speak Spanish or I speak Tagalog. Like, that's not in there. Like, that's not a part of it. Also, okay, this is this is just me nitpicking. This is not offensive, but me nitpicking. Her name is Alexandra Mountbatten, and she's apparently Filipino-American. Like, the name just doesn't... Work. Work for me. Yeah. You know, when I found... When they talked about her being, like, her racial background, her ethnic background, I was like, wait, wait, what? Because the name did not take it. It sounds British. Oh, yeah. Super I mean, British. the name is Mountbatten. Like, Philip? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, which, 
Not historically accurate. Just saying. That's right. all. We, we get into why the name Mountbatten was created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't need to, but it, 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 very unlikely that there would be an American sea captain with that last name. In that era. Yes. But so other than that, I mean, she's a strong female character who isn't using a man to cro- solve her problems. Mm-hmm. He's tortured by the death that happens around him constantly <laughs> and by his father's philandering, yeah. but is otherwise like... Oh, a I good mean, person. Talk about... I mean, again, this is... So, uh, okay, here's a trope we forgot. The bad boy who's not all that bad. I mean, like, literally, what was the first sentence in this um, book jacket? He's been a bad, bad rake. Okay, by not actually putting anyone in danger of... Pregnancy or pregnancy? sexual transmitted diseases? I mean, he's like, he's really bad, I guess. He has a lot of partners. Yeah, but... Eh? Yeah. So, uh, just, you know, I mean, so do most rakes. Yeah. In these novels. In the scheme of rakes. In the scheme of rakes, he doesn't seem like the worst. No. At all. I just, overall, but I really recommend this one. Yeah, it was super fun. Really, really fun. I'm really looking forward to the next two, too. Me, too. I can't. I'm, I'm excited about it. So. I, she's, Tessa Dare, for the few I've read, has a really good, one, ability to cultivate a real bond between her characters. Yeah. And her situations are just unique enough that yeah. I have a lot of fun. Like, clearly she's not the first person to do employer governess. Oh, no. But the twist on this, and the doll funerals, and the, like, it's yeah. it's a good time. She's she's quickly becoming one of my favorites. It's really super fun. And I, I'm sure that we'll read the next one, like, right when it comes out, so that we'll be a little more up to yep. date for you. So thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have any comments or ideas or books you'd like to recommend, we're at Instagram, on at Plotris, and at Plotris at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.